Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. These are the prison epistles. Last year I met uh, an old guy who was kind of your stereotypical crotchety old man. Uh, He was grumpy, he was angry. He said things that just made you shake your head and wonder like why, in what world is it okay to say that? Um, He was mean to his wife, um, who was just generally unpleasant to be around. And and so it shocked me to find out um, that actually this man was was something of a biblical scholar, Uh, was fluent in Greek, had been kind of involved in in different church things for much of his life, and it it shocked me. Uh, His understanding of, of Greek and of the history of the Bible anyway, um, it shocked me that he would know these things and and, and to see the outworking of his life were just two very different things. Uh, They were completely incongruent. Um, And and it got me to to, to thinking more about, I mean, my own self. And and does, does what I know about God, does what I know about the Bible translate into a life that has changed and that reflects that truth, the truth that it's supposed to reflect? Um, and so it, it got me thinking about these dailies. And, and, and for me, um, uh, I think the scriptures are, are vitally important and they mold us and they shape us. And they change the way that we think. They transform our minds. Um, but there needs to be more than just adding, adding books to the library of our heads. There needs to be a, an outworking where, where something changes in the outworking of our lives. And so um, this fall, we want to try something a little different on Fridays. With the Friday dailies, we're going to call them Practical Fridays. And we're going to talk through spiritual disciplines. There's nothing mystical really about a spiritual discipline. It's rather just a practice. It's a practice that we bring into our lives that becomes a conduit of grace. It takes focus. It takes discipline. It takes work. It takes effort at times. But in so doing, we're trying to connect ourselves with God so that God's life flows into us. And so on Fridays, we're going to focus on, on different practical spiritual disciplines. Um, and, and our hope is that that's not just information, but, but transformation. Um, and so f- over the next few months in particular, we want to focus on prayer. Um, and so this morning, the prayer I want to talk about, uh, maybe it's a bit foreign to you, but um, I've always really appreciated it. And that, that is a prayer of adoration. Uh, really, it's, it's, it's prayer that is worship. A uh, prayer of adoration really isn't about me at all. It's, it really has nothing to do with me, and, and that might seem a little forward when it comes to prayer. But what you're doing in a prayer of adoration is really trying to put the focus on God Himself, on meditating, on fixing our mind, on going deeper into God's character and His nature and His works, and focusing just on Him and, and sort of standing in awe, being humbled um, by the one that we're coming to prayer and really just engaging in an act of worship. Uh, and so I want to talk through just uh, some simple, simple ways to engage in a prayer of adoration. And then I'm going to commission you today to actually go and do it. Not just to learn about it, but to go and do it. And we're going to do this on Fridays. Um, and so um, uh, coming from an author named Kenneth Boa, I've appreciated what he had to say. He came up with four W's. I don't usually have four points, and nor do they usually start with the same letter. Uh, this comes from Boa, but it's been really helpful for me and helps me remember. Um, and so it, for a prayer of adoration, you start, first of all, with looking at God's world. Uh, and in so doing, you're just looking at His creation, that, that if this is His creation, then what does that have to tell us about God, the Creator? 
And so you, you focus in, you meditate, and you just focus on one aspect uh, of God's world. And so here's some simple thoughts, that, that, things that blow my mind about God's world. Um, that our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy, to travel from one side to the other, that the scope, the size of just our galaxy, at the speed of light would take you 100,000 years to cross just our galaxy. And when you meditate on something like that, you start to, you start to realize the scope and largeness of God. And it's just one of hundreds of billions of galaxies. Can you imagine the, the, this reality, that there are more stars in the universe? And remember, our sun is just a star, but there are more stars in our universe than grains of sand on our planet. Try and wrap your head around that. And when you shrink down into the microscopic level of God's creation, imagine, imagine engineers building a bridge, building a bridge that could actually grow, uh, that would grow and shape itself to sort of uh, perhaps um, cliffs that are receding away, and a bridge that would actually grow on its own. Imagine a bridge that was self-repairing, that when there was damages, the bridge would be able to sense the damage, repair it completely on its own. Imagine a bridge that it's had its own built-in little army of rust fighters, and the moment rust showed up somewhere on the bridge, these, these little army would, would run out of the bridge and go and attack and clean up the rust. I mean, it's beyond the scope of our engineering capabilities, but it's what God has created in our bones. It's this miracle that is something as simple and as practical and as everyday as our bones, that they grow themselves, they, they grow as we grow, um, the, 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 the flexibility of them, also the strength, but to also uh, the lightweightness of them, um, that they heal themselves and that within is this army of white blood cells that, that rush out and attack an invader in our body. I mean, when you start looking at biology, I mean, science and faith are not opposed. Rather, science just shows the magnitude, the complexity, and the beauty of what God has created. And as you look at these things, it begins to, um, to expand your view and your understanding of who God is uh, through His creation in the world. The second component, the second W of adoration um, is God's Word. And here we look at Scripture. We look at these 66 books of the Bible written over thousands of years in three languages by over 40 authors. And we see th this comprehensive story that works together and fits together from start to finish. You have in the very beginning in Genesis, you have the Proto-Evangelion where Adam and Eve are told that their offspring, singular offspring, would crush the head of the serpent while his heel is bruised. And then you see Jesus doing that very same thing, doing that, fulfilling that prophecy. You see these typologies, the same sorts of things popping up all the way through Scripture, like Isaac carrying the wood of a sacrifice up to the mountain, but only at the last moment to have God spare Abraham's one and only son. But then you have God's one and only son carrying the wood for his sacrifice up the same hill, but God does not spare his one and only son, but brings the judgment down on him. And so written in different languages, thousands of years apart. But yet we see that God's story is weaving its way through this text and He's preserved it for us and that, that we're told in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. But that His Word is also living and cuts. As we read it, it reads us. 
And so as we meditate and, and focus on his word and just adoring him for his message, his revelation as he wants to communicate with us through his spirit, we can adore him for what we have here in the word. The third W is works. And these are the things that God has done in redemptive history, the works of God in redeeming us and saving us, the works of God through church history as well. We have things like from the birth of Isaac out of the the old age of, of Abraham and Sarah through faith that God gave them this promised child. Um, we see we see God uh, defeating the superpower power that was Egypt through this this runaway band of slaves. We see his work of his hand at work in the midst of all these things. Of we see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane praying, "Thy will be done," taking our punishment on Himself. We see the cross. Then in history, we see the Reformation and, and this restoration of the Word of God. And we see the missions movement and the way that, that, that God has been using men and women, regular, broken, fallible men and women to, to, to spread this gospel around the world with courage and with faith. We think about the works that God has done in this story from start to finish. and We adore Him for it. And the final W. Is for his ways, and this is who God is, his character, and how we can trust him to act. We see his attributes, things like his holiness. He's perfect. He's completely other. He's good. You have the Trinity, and don't try and understand it because there's no way you ever fully will, but you have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit who are in this dance called the perichoresis where they're, uh, they're submitting in, in authority and submission and, and together in harmony and unity and, and perfect completion, lacking nothing and, and full of love. We have God in, in eternity, uncreated, but we also have God omniscient who's, who is ever-present in every place at every moment. God's omniscience, His sovereignty, that He is in control, that He... Uh, that nothing escapes his sight. The psalmist uh, has this prayer of adoration here in Psalm 145. I will extol you, my God and King. I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty. And on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness, and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and His mercy is over all that He has made. A prayer of adoration, focusing only on God, not on ourselves, adoring Him for who He is. The four W's are His world, His word, His works, and His ways. So I want to encourage you today, I want to challenge you today, exhort you today, not just to go, well, that was an interesting thought and an interesting way to pray. But now, whether it's right now or later today, or even set an alarm Set an alarm on your phone for a later time today where you can spend even just a little bit of time today, however much time you think you can, just in adoration, working through these four categories, coming up to your own works, your own ways, your own words that you can just admire Him for. 
the prayer of adoration, of just plain worship, and spending time in His presence, giving Him honor and glory. Do it today. Let's pray together. God, thank You for who You are, for what You've done. Thank You that You invite us into Your presence and that You want to meet with us. And I pray, that God, that as we seek to simply adore you, that, we would, that you would open our eyes to see you in ever-increasing larger ways, that we would stand in awe of who you are, in awe of what you've done. Uh, God, help us just to worship you and to find delight and joy in that worship. Of you are great and glorious, God. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. So. You've got your mission today. You've got your task. Spend some time in prayer. Make it real. God bless you this weekend. Go enjoy.